Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode three of our 2021-2022 postgame recaps here live in Los Angeles as the Lakers have just fallen to the Phoenix Suns and move on to 0-2 on the season, a rematch of last year's first round series. I'll, I'll be talking about that first, and then I'm going to talk about the Bulls and the Pelicans, our other Dime Dropper team, our only other Dime Dropper team outside of Los Angeles this season, and then I'll be taking your questions, so it won't be as long tonight. Before we get started, though, make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, you already know the deal, at Dime Dropper Pod. So, let's get into it. Lakers, Suns. I said in the last live that I thought the Lakers were going to make a conservative effort or a concerted effort to get Russ the ball early. And that's exactly what we saw. And Russ was getting going to work early. Nice bank shot. You know, he had that one where he was posting Booker up on the right wing, uh, one-legged floater, or no, I'm sorry, one-legged fade on some Dirk. And Book, and he rock, you know, rocked the baby as Russ always does. And in that moment, I, and I saw LeBron sacrificing, you know, he was playing off the ball, just kind of chilling. I thought to myself, man, this is... And I remember Russ got a rebound and threw it up to LeBron for a catch-and-shoot three, and I started thinking to myself, yo, like, this is it. This is exactly what the Lakers got to do. Run through Russ a little bit, at least in the beginning of the game. Let Russ rebound and push the pace. His, that's that's one thing I've noticed about the Lakers already, guys, in these first two games. We talked about how if they're going to maximize this team's potential, they need to run, and they have not ran at all these first two games. And part of that is because their defense has not been good enough, and we're going to get into that. But I really liked the start for Russ, and I liked what the Lakers were doing, and I liked that LeBron was laying off. Um, my problem is this. They didn't really go back to it too much as the game went on, in my opinion. It felt like Russ only started attacking later in the fourth quarter after things were already a little too late. Um, but I did like the start from Russ. The Suns, though, I think the Lakers were good in the first quarter. I mean, 26-23, they were winning after one. It seemed like it was going okay. And I started thinking to myself in that moment, Laker fans and Dime River fam, I was thinking to myself, like, man, this is the formula. Push the pace. Russell Westbrook. LeBron's got to be sacrificing. AD's going to eat when AD eats. AD's going to be a pest defender. You know, he was doing a really good job in the first quarter defending, blocking shots, and just being a presence. And I was thinking to myself, man, this Laker team's going to be dangerous. And, oh, man, how quickly that changed. I still think the Lakers going to be dangerous. But, um... It doesn't right now. There's some worrying, uh, worrying signs for sure. Second quarter and the third quarter is where the game completely changed. Chris Paul, LeBron, by the way, started off guarding Chris Paul, and I thought that he did a really good job in the beginning, preventing Chris Paul from getting into his spots and getting shots off. And I thought that Devin Booker, uh, or I'm sorry, Bazemore, was doing a really good job on Booker in the beginning. But I also still do not see the value of DeAndre Jordan. I'm gonna say it. The best center in Los Angeles Clipper history, in my humble opinion, which is not saying anything. He's just past it. I don't understand why the Lakers thought this was a good move. He's not JaVale McGee, as you clearly saw tonight, 
which is if that was that's what I thought the Lakers were going for, picking up DJ. Marc Gasol, whether he was down to stay or not, I think if the Lakers would have treated him a little bit better, I think he could have stayed. I think the Lakers, Vogel overall was just, you know, I think he felt very disrespected when they got Drummond. And I think this team could have really used his basketball IQ, his defensive instincts, even though he doesn't protect the rim. The Lakers, people like really were nitpicking last year with the Lakers uh, in the when before LeBron and AD went down. I think before LeBron and AD went down last season, AD was doing a great job or a good job defensive. He wasn't as strong as the previous year. But Marcus Gasol, LeBron was having a really good defensive season. I thought that they were, you know, I thought people were selling Marcus Gasol short always. And I think that the Lakers felt pressure to just increase their rim protection like crazy. And right now, there's an easier way to solve this, and everybody knows what it is, and that is to put AD at the five. Uh, and he seems to refuse to do it. And in that second quarter... Chris Paul started getting into his bag. But I will say this, Laker fans, and I know a lot of people may not like it, but the referees took over that game in the second quarter. And I don't usually say that with the Lakers because, you know, (laughs) the Lakers have in the past, you know, throughout history, have had a lot of calls go their way in certain games. I'm not going to sit here and name specifics because every home team has, has at some point. But tonight they were getting shafted, man. Second quarter, they were over the limit with like 10 minutes to go in the second. A lot of... You know, I thought that the, the beginning of the game, like the first half, the refs let the let both sides play, but they were definitely being harsher on the Lakers because in the second quarter, they started calling things on the Lakers, but not calling the same things on Phoenix. LeBron, Russ, they went to the basket, even AD, and they couldn't get calls. My thing is this. Vogel got a technical. My thing is this, though. They got to keep their heads in the game and got to keep playing. After that, they started begging for calls. They started playing, uh, you know, anticipating the contact, all three of them, Braun, Russ, and Anthony Davis. Uh, I think that (laughs) Carmelo Anthony came in, and here's my thing about Melo, guys. I think that's part of the reason why Chris Paul got going is because he was getting attacked in pick and roll. I saw what Chris does, and you know what Chris does. Chris, at this stage of his career, he doesn't have the same burst he used to have when he was with us or with New Orleans in the first tenure, or first tenure, the only tenure, New Orleans. So now what he does, as you saw in the first two games of the finals last year against the Bucks, he finds his, or game six against the Clippers, he finds his one guy that he wants to target in the pick and roll and make them play some kind of defense and make your team play, uh, make a decision. In the Western Conference Finals game six against us, it was DeMarcus Cousins, and then it was Brooke Lopez in the first two games of the finals, and tonight, for that second quarter stretch, it was Carmelo Anthony. And he was going at him, and here's my thing about Melo. He is... He still thinks, like, my thing with Melo is this. I was never a huge fan of him as a kid, but after the 08 Olympics, that stretch between 09 to 2013, I thought he was amazing. I thought that was his best stretch. But besides that, I think that Melo's always had a, a little bit of an inflated view of how good he is to an extent, and I think it caused him to take really, really bad shots. I'm not saying he did, took any of them tonight, but my point is this. Melo is going to have moments where he's just shooting with no end in sight, and he's not contributing on the defensive end to the point where I think he may be more of a net negative at times for the Lakers. I, I like Melo. You know, he's one of the players of my childhood. He's one of the 10 best scorers ever that I would take in a one-on-one but I think that there are going to be times, There's to me, again, there's a reason he's never made the finals. Uh, I'm not saying he's always been in the best position to do so, but I think that it can be, it can be tough sometimes with him. Malik Monk also is showing me that he's not a great defender. Uh, I thought he was okay in the first half. Made, he made a really nice shot when the Lakers were still winning in the beginning of that second quarter, going right and falling away. 
Um, I see a comment about THT coming back and is going to take Melo's minutes. I think the Lakers could really use THT right now. Um, but yeah, Chris Paul was cooking in that second quarter. He really got going. And I really want to uh, send a shout out to Mikhail Bridges. I thought that he was my player of the game, honestly. The job that he did on LeBron. And LeBron was really hitting his three ball tonight. I am really surprised that he stopped going to it. He took like two at the end of the game, but he was four for six for a really long time. He ended up five and nine from three. And to me, if LeBron's shooting eight of 18 and five and nine, but you're losing by, you're down 30 points, end up losing by 10. To me, LeBron, there were stretches in the game, and I'm going to talk about exactly what times, but he went too passive. Like he, ne- I understand he needs to sacrifice. And last game, I said he went too, too much into the scoring that he put Westbrook in a box. But it's all about, here's my thing, guys. It's all about feeling out the game. I think that's what makes the best players. You know what I'm saying? When I watched a film of the past, the Clyde Frazier's, the Magic Johnson's, when they just read the game. And I'm not saying LeBron doesn't do that well. He's great at that. But at times, you know, tonight, I just thought that when his three ball was falling so much, he just didn't go to it. And let's say, yeah, they were pressuring him a little higher. Yeah, they were trying to run him off the line. But, you know, it's not like that's the only thing in LeBron's bag. It's not like... He can't get into the mid-range. But I also think that Vogel is doing a complete disservice to this team by continuing to play Anthony Davis with other big men. Dwight Howard played a large stretch of that second quarter with Anthony Davis, man. And it's just, you know what AD does. He stays outside, 18 feet away from the basket, and he guards smaller players. A couple of times, Chris Paul got AD on a switch, and he cooked him. Like, year 17, Chris Paul... You know, one time AD was anticip- uh, he was getting ready for the screen to come to his left. Chris Paul crossed over to his left hand and made a wide-open jumper. You know, another play, Chris Paul went behind his back on the baseline and turned over his right shoulder like he was playing at Rucker Park. And it just made AD look like he was a fish out of water. And this is Anthony Davis we're talking about here. But I just think that you got to try to keep him around the pain and just being able to rotate and cover that ground. He just moves across the key from one side of the court to the other so well on that last line of defense with LeBron. And I think that with another big man, you're forcing AD to guard guards and forwards more. And I actually, you do want AD, you want him to like have to not put their big in pick and roll because AD is such a problem in pick and roll defensively. That's what you want. The fact that he was getting, you know, what was happening. And a part of it is because AD doesn't trust the Lakers on-ball defenders anymore. He doesn't have Caruso, KCP, and Dennis anymore, which we talked about in the preview and offseason when the Lakers made the trade for Westbrook, I believe. But look, Bazemore and Avery Bradley are clearly the only two really reliable perimeter defenders. I think LeBron's defense actually was the best on the team tonight. To be honest, I think that he, you know, he had a nice strip at half court. His rotations were pretty sharp. He did lose sight of Mikhail Bridges one time on the baseline. But overall, I thought his defense was pretty good. Uh, Better than AD, who I thought was, you know, having lapses in concentration. And just his body language was not good. And I'm going to get to the peak of the bad body language for the Lakers. You know, they're going into this half down 15. And I think it was largely because of that second quarter officiating. I think that they were really, and I don't want to say it's mostly because of the officiating. Um... Uh, by the way, I see a comment about Caruso's not doing all that well in Chicago. Total bullshit. That means you're not watching the games. We're going to get into that uh, in a second. But let's talk. Uh, let's continue to talk about the Lakers, right? So they go to the half down 15. I'm thinking the refs really are the, a big reason. I don't want to say the main reason. A big reason why the Lakers, you know, LeBron and Russ stopped going to the rim. And I think, again, as I said before, part of the reason they stopped going to the rim is because Dwight was clogging the paint. 
Uh, and Dwight's not done anything these first two games, Laker fans. Like, this has not been 2020 Dwight so far. He's not been blocking shots like that. I'm going to look at his stat line tonight. Nine minutes played. He didn't even play in the second half after the altercation. That's a good reminder that get to talk about that. An altercation in front of the Laker fans. He had a donut. Three rebounds, zero blocks. Yeah, two very pedestrian games from Dwight. And that altercation was very surprising. It was when the Lakers were down around seven points. I thought Rondo was played pretty well in the first half, by the way, around that time. Made a couple threes, which pisses me off as a Clipper fan, but it is what it is. But Anthony Davis and Dwight getting into it, you know, that happens. Remember Mario Chalmers, LeBron getting into it? Um, I, it's kind of uh, interesting seeing though what Magic tweeted, saying that he's never seen that in all his years watching the Lakers. And, like, you know, Magic played for the Lakers. He's the golden standard. So he knows better than I. I mean, yeah, I would say wait till halftime to do that shit. But it's it happens. I wouldn't read too much into it. So Lakers go into the second half. I'm thinking to myself, what are they going to do? What are the adjustments? Are they going to see an increased level of effort? Mikhail Bridges was playing such good defense on LeBron, though. Every time he tried to drive, he was on it. He had blocks. He stole the ball from Russ in transition. I, remember, I think it was Russ. And he was uh, awarded by getting a corner three on the other end. He was phenomenal in the first half. Like, just everybody he was guarding, he did an incredible job. He had an amazing game, Mikhail Bridges. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 8 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. I mean, efficient as can be, plus 13. It was the highest plus minus in the game for any player on the Suns. But, third quarter, man. Lakers, Lakers. Looked terrible to start. Chris Paul was continuing his onslaught, and then... I tweeted out that the Lakers need to cut the bullshit and just go AD at the five. And that's exactly what they did. They brought Avery Bradley into the game. But Devin Booker, he started to heat up. And he was cooking bays. Got him on the pump fake. Uh, got an and one off of that. And then, you know, he started off by getting going at the end of the second quarter, actually, with two actions off the ball, you know, cutting across and hitting uh, two mid-range jumpers. And he started feeling himself in that third quarter. And after that, I thought the Lakers' body language was really bad. At, at times, you could hear boos coming from the crowd. AD looked like he had no legs in him. He wasn't, like, trying to... No commanding presence at all. No legs. Because the reason I say no legs is because all his shots were short. You know, even around the rim. Russell Westbrook, it just didn't really have... He didn't really have many driving lanes portions throughout the game, but at the same time in that stretch, I feel like they just didn't go to Russ. I don't remember them going to Russ that much. I remember LeBron and AD, actually, when Russ came out of the game, like midway through that third quarter, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's time for LeBron and AD to try to take over. I mean, LeBron was shooting well, and they kept just running high pick and roll and, and making reads, which was which was what the Suns wanted, which was let other guys beat you. And look, Bazemore got open threes. Monk got open threes. Bradley got open threes. They weren't hitting. And after that, I was like, okay, this is getting going from bad to worse right now. JaVale McGee came in and had more energy than any Laker big, which was also agreed uh, by Big Shot Rob and, and Big Shot Rob and Big Game James in the postgame. But damn, man. Avery Bradley, 0 of 2 from 3. Malik Monk, 1 of 4 from 3. Kent Bazemore, 1 of 3 from 3. Let's see what Carmelo... I think Carmelo ended up being okay. Yeah, 5-11 from the field, 4-6 from 3. So his efficiency was actually good, and he had a positive plus-minus for the Lakers, plus 8. But a lot of that was in garbage time, so it can be fool's gold in terms of that stat. Uh, always got to apply the context. But, you know, 
I just thought that the body language from LeBron and AD in that couple of minutes stretch was really bad. It looked like they kind of folded. And it reminded me of Game 6 against the Suns last year where the Lakers looked like they were folding and then they tried to make a run late, got the crowd going a bit, but it was just too little too late. It really reminded me of that. And, you know, like LeBron hustling back and had that nice contest on a block by Cam Johnson. But then he was, like, staring at the at the Suns' bench like, like what? dude, you're down by 30. I'm not going to get into it and, like, roast him that much because, you know, I've done that before. But, like, come on, man. I understand Cam's down. You know, you, you want to make sure he doesn't cherry pick. But, like, like the, the look he gave, it's like, bro, you're down by 30 points. Like, come on, get back. But anyway... Yeah, bad ending, you know, bad two quarters, man. Third quarter, final score of that one was 37-23 in favor of the Suns. So you combine those together, 71-41 to in favor of the Suns through three quarters. And the refs were actually being back to normal in the third quarter, in my opinion. Yikes, guys, yikes. If you're a Laker fan, the defense, 71 points, man. It's just, it's. but here's my thing. I wouldn't panic too much if I was a Laker fan. They tried to come back in the fourth quarter. Austin Reeves, see a lot of people talking about him in the in the comments right now. He came in and did well. I think he was pretty underestimated though, but he clearly can shoot the ball. So maybe he'll get more minutes going forward. Eight points plus 17. Uh, the highest plus minus of any Laker, obviously. Three of four, two of three from three, eight points. But, you know, I don't think Bradley did did anything really tonight of worth. I think Rondo in the second half, he was allergic to shooting. You know, he got a ball under the basket. Like, for example, there was that play where Russell Westbrook got an offensive foul by sticking his leg out. Westbrook, I mean, Rondo was like on the, you know, dunker spot ready for a little floater and he just didn't want to, sh- didn't even look at the basket because you know how Rondo is. I said it in my last recap. He's allergic to shooting uh, and he doesn't want to shoot. He always has never wanted to, but even less now. But anyway, guys, if I'm a Laker fan though, guys, I would not be too concerned I mean, I'd be a little concerned, but I wouldn't panic too much because, guys, it's two games. Like, you gotta, you know what made me uh, realize that you can't overreact so quick to these type of things? 2011 Miami Heat. They started out 9-8 and eight and ended up winning, you know, going all the way to the finals. And I know that's a different team, different fit, different ages, what have you, but they have one thing in common. They have one of the best players of all time, LeBron James. And I think that he will find a way. But he needs to be a little more aggressive when his shot is falling like that and his team's losing by so much. Forget getting everybody else involved when you're down 20. Come on. It's time for some Chuck mode, Kobe style. But anyway, guys, that's all I got to say on the Laker game tonight. You got to give credit to the Suns, though. They played great defense. They came to play. They were really mad about that Denver loss, and they deserved it. Chris Paul was great. And by the way, shout out to Chris Paul, one of my favorite players of all time. First and only player to reach 20,000 points and 10,000 assists. What an accomplishment. It's incredible how he just keeps going despite all the injuries he's had in his career that he keeps going at such a high level. I think that, you know, I will say the most surprising thing about Chris is the fact that he hasn't gotten injured these last couple years since going to this vegan diet or whatever. But hey, I still think he's overrated all time though by by the modern media. Sue me. And I'm his biggest fan, one of. But yeah, he ain't Clyde Frazier. He ain't Jerry West. He ain't Oscar Robertson. Uh, he ain't Steph Curry, Isaiah Thomas, or, of course, I'm not even going to say his name because number 32 is Supreme. Anyway, let's move on to a franchise with a GOAT of their own, Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls, in their second game of the season. And, guys, it was a 
massacre. And it's because the Pelicans are dog shit without Zion. But that's not just it. The Bulls' defense was the biggest concern coming into the season, and they look sharp. And it starts with Lonzo Ball. Putting pressure on the ball, being aggressive, his length. Patrick Williams has good length, and they're just fighting over every screen. And they also look connected, and more than anything, they look motivated. Because it's Chicago. It's the Bulls. People want to play for the Bulls. And now, the excitement's back in the Windy City. DeRozan is an experienced playoff player. Zach Levine is motivated to play defense. And their offense was better tonight, too. Zach was doing Zach. I mean, effortless 30 points again. This guy is one of the best players in the NBA. Seriously. Top 15. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. And we're going to be talking even heavier about him as the season progresses. 32 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, 11 of 19 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3. 66%. A lot of them were just coming off a screen. You know, the guy's just chasing him from behind. He's on his hip. Stop and pop 3. And Vucevic, his stat line doesn't look as good. 4 of 11, only 10 points, 5 rebounds, 4 steals. But he four steals, two blocks. I thought he was better today. And he's such a, and I think they went to a lot more with DeRozan. Even Troy Brown Jr. was creating a nice pocket pass for Vucevic to take those little push shots. You know, like Steven Adams used to do with Russell Westbrook. Those little six-foot, ten-foot push shots with one hand. And he's good for that. And he did a good job with that. Second half, they blew it open. Um, Lonzo, though, it was a Lonzo game. It was, and DeRozan was cooking, by the way, in the mid-range. You know, just doing his DeRozan thing. One-on-one. He was doing great. But Lonzo Ball, it was the Lonzo show. He was looking like UCLA Zoe. Rebounds and a real triple-double tonight, guys. Not inflated modern triple-double. I noticed it tonight. He was rebounding. He was pushing the pace, which is exactly what you want. 32 assists from the Bulls as a team. 10 of those from Mr. Ball. 17 points, 10 boards, and of course the 10 assists. 3 steals and a block. And the block came on a beautiful, beautiful closeout into the corner. And he also came off a screen for a mid-range, ladies and gentlemen, uh, stop and pop. Like, if he can hit that on a consistent basis, we got a totally different player on our hands that we're talking about. 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3. I still think Zoe's falling too in love with the catch-and-shoot 3, even when he's not fully open. But man, he will improve because his confidence is just growing. DeRozan, 26 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 9 of 20. He has been fantastic in these first two games. And... Javante Green, you know, athletic player we saw with Boston last year, and we talked about him a ton. Uh, not really a ton, but we talked about the Celtics a ton. He has a lot of athleticism, but he's clearly worked on his three-point shot. He was 0 of 1 tonight, but he got out and ran in that first half with that second unit, and he got some points in transition. He finished with 10 on 4 of 6 and plus 10. And, of course, the guy with the best plus minus in the game, he was getting MVP chance tonight at the Madhouse. It's Laker fan favorite, as Stacy King is calling him in commentary, Alex Captain Caruso. What a game again for the Bald Eagle. Dude, guys, 29 minutes, 9 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 of 7 from the field. It doesn't look all great, but when you watch that game, man, he does work. He is the sixth man for this team, plus 22 on the plus minus. He is everywhere on defense, and the lob from Lonzo to Caruso to seal the triple-double was just beautiful. And Caruso's cuts, reverse layups, he was fantastic. Chicago, 2-0, baby, undefeated, and I don't know who their next game is, but I can't wait to watch it because this Bulls team is fun. They're for real, and the national media only putting them on 
13, 14 times on national TV is a disservice to all because they're the only team that I can think of that's really made huge changes. Like they're playing with like a whole new starting five, damn near. Because uh, I don't even count Vucevic as a, as a bull from last year. I didn't even count. But anyway, let me read the lines. I guess I read them already. Patrick Williams, 8.3 of 5. Yeah, I basically read him. Zach Levine, player of the game. Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, poor thing. 26 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 10 of 20. He's doing his thing, but this team needs Zion back to contend. And they're just looking like, like if I would if I was a Pels fan, I'd expect him to lose basically every game. But yeah, guys, thanks for joining me. Uh, Boston Celtics getting destroyed by the Raptors. I cannot believe that. I did not watch the game, so I'm really curious. I won't be watching the game because I don't have League Pass anymore. So... Yikes, Celtics fans, let me know what went wrong. New York, 2-0. You gotta love it. I expected that. Orlando's the worst team in the league. And the Wizards, 2-0. Kuzma, Montrader, they look really happy to be there. Denver, 2-0. It sucks that the Kings lost tonight because I hate the Jazz. They're also 2-0. But anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me. Let me know what you thought in the comments below. Lakers, are they going to be fine? What are you thinking about them, guys? Peace out. And now we go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the live. Thanks and peace. I will not be going live tomorrow because I'll be at the Clipper game. Go Clips. Fuck the Grizz.